The following audio was recorded at Stone Oak Bible Church. For more information about our church or for more resources, visit us at stoneoakbible.com. All right, you may remain standing through the message. No, I'm kidding. Go ahead and take a seat, everyone. Thanks for coming out this morning. We're going to read from an incredible psalm, Psalm 103. This psalm is at least in the top 150 out of the psalms. Some of you got that. There's 150 psalms. I think it's one of the greatest psalms ever written in the Old Testament. That's debatable, I know. But uh, my Bible shows that I've underlined every word in this psalm. And uh, if I were to go back again with a highlighter, I'd get it again, because there are some incredible rich truths in here that God wants to deliver to us this morning through an Old Testament king, King David, who writes this psalm. He invites us to experience an elevated view of God's glory. That's where we're going this morning. If you have a low view of God's glory, or maybe you just kind of do lip service to God's glory, but you haven't quite come under this idea that God is glorious. And, is, and, and, and to catch a glimpse of his glory, I would trade in everything for it. If you're not there, this psalm is for you. Don't write yourself out just because you came and you're kind of on the fence about Jesus. Press in this morning. Psalm 103, verse 1. He starts out by saying, Bless the Lord, O my soul. All that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. Something that's happening in this psalm already is David is trying to engage his soul with the glories of God. As I said a moment ago, he's trying to elevate our view of God's glory. You see this throughout scripture, Psalm 121, the psalmist says, to you, O Lord, I lift my eyes, you who are enthroned in the heavens. Even in Daniel chapter four, just such an unlikely character, you have this foreign king who's not the greatest, to say the least. He's not a godly king. He's not a hero of the Bible. Even he comes under the spell of God's glory. And he says, I raised my eyes towards heaven and my reason returned to me. Daniel chapter 4. This glory is supposed to be seen in all of humanity. It's not just for the religious type. It's not just for the Sunday churchgoers. Of course it's for believers in Christ who press into God in Jesus' name. And we'll talk about that. But it's for everyone to capture this glory, an elevated view of who he is and his glory on earth. I imagine David, as he says, bless the Lord, O my soul, all that's within me, bless his holy name, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. He's preparing for liftoff. And I thought about him, and this may strike you odd because it's newer technology, but I thought about David stepping into a rocket ship. Maybe you have claustrophobia, so you're like, I'm not going there. Jump in a weather balloon, I don't care. Get in something that's gonna get some altitude. I'd say go on a hike to a mountain, but Texas doesn't seem to have many of those. 
So get in something to get your altitude elevated because we want to experience the glory of God in this church, amen? I was curious because I wanted to know in rockets who presses the button that fires the thrusters. And I found out that there is a long sequence that happens. If you ever watch SpaceX and you, and you see some of their, their rockets take off from Houston or from Florida, you see that during the little pre-launch chatter, they say something to the event of automatic sequence start. And then you wait. And the systems are getting ready. And that's kind of how I see verse 1 and 2. He's getting his system ready. He's ready for takeoff. But first thing he has to do is call out to his own soul, direct his own soul, saying, bless the Lord. So he activates this sequence. You know, see, following God can be hard, amen? It's not the easy path. They don't call it the straight and narrow for nothing. But it should be exhilarating. See, the problem I find most often when I talk to people on the street about God, I say, hey, how does God fit into your life? That's a common question I'll ask. How does God fit into your life? You know the number one response I get to that? (sighs) I know, I need to get back in church. Maybe, maybe that's the case. But I think you need to get a little church in you first. I mean, church is the byproduct of a relationship with Christ. First John 1 John 1.1, he said, we saw him, we heard him, we looked at him and we touched him. That's why we proclaim. We encountered the glory of God in Jesus Christ. That's why we proclaim. So when I hear someone say, I need to get back in church, I say, hey, I go to church too. That's great. What a great way to find, discover God. But make sure you discover God when you get there. That's where the joy is, the glory of God found in Jesus. I'm not sure what kind of view, as we take some altitude this morning, I'm not sure what kind of view God's going to have of his glory in your life, but I want to share a couple of contrasting stories that I've experienced. One was a girl named Vanessa, a high school girl who came to our Bible club. She came dejected, hair in her face, wearing all black, sat down, and was just, didn't even know why she was there in the Bible club other than the campus supervisor who happened to be a Christian invited her. She comes in, she plops down, and I could just tell something was weighing on her soul. And so I looked at her and I said, hey, I said, you're in a good place this morning. Welcome. I'm glad you're here. She stuck around. She didn't look up once the entire Bible study. Afterward, Brenda, the campus supervisor, said, hey, I'll give you a hall pass if you stick around. We'd love to pray for you. So me and Brenda, I I asked her if this is okay. You always want to ask it's okay. Can I lay a hand on you? (laughs) Especially pre and post pandemic, right? It's like, okay, can I put it, can I enter your space? So can I put a hand on you and pray for you? She said, that would be fine. Okay. Put a hand on her shoulder. We start praying. I don't know, somewhere into this prayer, systems were firing. She starts to gain elevation and experience the glory of God in a way that I have never seen quite like this before. Through the prayer, after the prayer, she begins shaking. And she looks up at me for the first time, looks at me and says, what is this? I said, I don't know. What's happening? Is it a good thing? She says, oh yeah. 
I said, then it's probably Jesus. I kid you not. I saw her in the quad, in the open quad. She pulls back her hair into a ponytail. First time I saw her face, she looks up. I am not making this up. She skipped to class. As the months went on, she kept coming to Bible club and kept hearing the gospel of Jesus, how it liberates people from their sin and their bondage. And over time, teachers began talking. What happened to Vanessa? And one of the other Bible club teachers who was an atheist who came to know Christ through the club said, I'll tell you what happened. In a board of of (laughs) educators, he says, Jesus happened. I'm like, way to go, bro. Way to represent. That's glorious. That's like, I'll trade in anything for that. But then I have my friend back in California who was a social recluse and had went to church every Sunday, but nothing was clicking. It's a very different story of God's glory touching his life because his decision was one foot in front of another towards God. First step, get out of the room. Social isolation has not been good for me. Then step into church again. Then step into a community group. Then begin reading my Bible. Then begin praying. You know, to this day, it's five years later since he stepped back into the glory of God. He says, I'm still waiting to experience the Holy Spirit. I said, what do you mean by that? I've never felt a tangible visitation from God. I said, you're not waiting to experience the Holy Spirit. He's all over your life. You're a different person today as a result of taking steps towards God, and everybody sees it. It's incredible. So I don't know what view of God's glory he's going to give you this morning and as you pursue this message this week, as you move from this place, but I will say as you pursue God, get ready to elevate and see a higher view of his glory. It begins with blessing the Lord, O my soul. And we have to ask this question then, what does it mean to bless the Lord? What does it mean to bless? I mean, the only, t- the only times we really hear the word bless in our culture is when somebody sneezes, right? Bless you. And if you're feeling highly evangelistic, you might say, God bless you. And if you're over the top, you might say in the Father, name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I've never seen that happen. <laughs> Try it, though. It'd be interesting. Or you see on social media, someone says, feeling blessed. What does this mean, blessing? Well, in the Bible, it's an action word. It's not a passive sit back and fold your arms word. It's a get off the couch and do something about it word. Bless, action word. It's tied to relationships. So you see this word being used from God to man when he pours out his blessings and we receive something of the goodness of God. You see it from man to man as there's this transference of the the blessing. We did it last week, Numbers chapter six. The Lord bless you. It's invoking God's goodness. So on one hand, it's receiving it. On another hand, it's requesting it for somebody else. But in this psalm, there's not much receiving necessarily. There's not any requesting. Of course, he, is, he has received, but he is truly reveling in the goodness of God. As he blesses God, he is saying, I'm going to celebrate. 
I'm going to adore him. I'm going to worship him. God is good. I'm just going to state it out like that. God is good. I've seen him at work already. Even if he did nothing else, I'm going to bless the Lord. I'm getting my systems ready for the thrusters to fire. And we can bless the Lord at all times. You don't have to wait for the good times. In fact, please don't wait for the good times. Some of the best times in experiencing the glory of God in my life have been the times where I least felt like doing it. Birds are chirping on that one. I don't hear many amens, though. Is that true? Some of the times you experience God in his glory are some of the hardest times. It happened for Job. He said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I'll return. What is he saying? I'm not taking anything with me. The Lord gave, the Lord has taken away, and the Lord, in his opinion, had taken away big time. I'm not saying God's causing evil in his life, just Job is lamenting here. And he's saying, I feel like God has taken away from me. But here's the next word out of his mouth. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It sure is a better word than his wife gave. (laughs) Curse God. What's the next conclusion? Die. Maybe you bless God and you live a little more. And that's what Job was finding out. My week this last week didn't go how I thought it would go in preparation for the first sermon I'd preach at Stone Oak Bible. My father-in-law, being 80 years old, went in for kind of what would be a routine procedure in the hospital. It got complicated, and he's been there ever since, and he's still there. My wife's been bedside with him, taking care of dad all week long. I've been Mr. Mom, and I got to say, I've got some great kids. (laughs) Praise God. They're making my job easy. But my week hasn't gone exactly how I thought it would go. Thank God in his providence, he had me studying this chapter. Because the first thing is, without any room for life to get in the way, without putting any qualification or conditions upon this statement, the first verse says, bless the Lord. Nothing else is stated yet. Out of the gates, bless the Lord. So God has been impressing upon me this week, I want you to go deeper in prayer. I want you to go deeper in prayer. And so I've been doing a lot of just, bless you, Lord. Trying to wrap my, my mind around, my heart around, ultimately my soul around celebrating, adoring, worshiping God. So we talked about blessing. What does that mean? It's an active word. It's tied to relationship. It's something you can do whether times are going good or bad. You can bless the Lord. But what is a soul? Why does he bring up this? This, is, this can be so foreign to us. Well, you have a body, and you understand what that is. And thank God when you came to church today, you prepared your body. You got it ready to be presentable for community. But what about your soul? When you came to church today, did you give any attention to your soul? Did you give any thought to the fact that I'm approaching God to worship him. I'm coming into his community. I want to get ready to worship him. That's where it kind of thins the herd. And this is not condemnation if you didn't say a prayer before you came to church. It's just to get us to think about this. It's so easy to neglect the soul. It's so easy even even as we're sitting here just to kind of sit back and let our soul just kind of travel off to somewhere else while this guy's talking and then snap back into it. But right now, God is saying engage him from your soul. What is a soul? 
Well, again, we talked about the body, but the body without a soul is a lifeless suit. The moment your soul departs your body, your life is done. Your body just fails. That's death. Thank God he breathed into the suit. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, God formed man out of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living soul. The Hebrew word for soul means desire, emotion, thoughts, decision. It's all the inner life that's going on inside of you. All the stuff that people can't see but God can see. David, the psalmist, is trying to bless God from the depth of his being. I'm going all in. That's why you see he says, bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me. Bless his holy name. It's safer to stay on the surface, but let me say there's reward in risking going deeper with God. There's reward. Uh, look at Isaiah 29, how God, God is speaking. In verse 13, he's speaking about the people who only went surface deep. He said, the people draw near to me with their mouth. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. There was a... Uh, philosopher of old, Soren Kierkegaard, who was a Dane, and he said this about his country and the churches there. He said, looking at the churches in Denmark in my day, I decided that the pastors must not believe what they were teaching. After all, they were preaching the most revolutionary and transformative message human ears have ever heard, the gospel. But the church looked lifeless and its pastors seemed to be going through the motions. The church had fine stained glass and beautiful music, but they lacked the one thing necessary, passion. A soul-level engagement in blessing God. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. I want to get my passion back for serving God. It's so easy for that to seep out, isn't it? It's so easy for one minute you're, whoa, God is so good, and then, and then maybe a week Two weeks, three weeks down the line, you neglect your soul, you stop blessing God, you're disengaged, and all of a sudden you're in a place where you're going, why don't I want to pray? Why don't I want to read right now? Why don't I want to think about God or serve him? Why don't I want to talk to my kids about God like I did before? What's going on? The Lord would say to you this morning, let's get some altitude. Let's start blessing the, blessing the Lord. Let's start engaging our souls and find him in that. Whew, I better be careful here. <laughs> Not because I'm about to say something off color, but I've got a lot to say. If church is boring, worship's boring, prayer is boring, sharing Jesus, why I read in a book, Liturgy of the Ordinary, when we gaze at the richness of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, how he came, he died on a cross, he was buried, all your sins buried there, you don't have to carry them, he rose again so that you can rise from a grave as well, and it answers life's biggest question, what's it all about? If that doesn't get you jacked up, here's what it says. If we find them dull and uninteresting, it's actually we who've been hollowed out. It's not a gospel problem. Look within yourself. Is your attitude one in posturing yourself to come 
before God who created you and say, I want to know you. I want to see your glory. I want to bless you, God. Jesus said the greatest commandment is you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Why is this the greatest command? I believe there's a lot of joy in this command because, let's put it this way, God is the God of life, right? He came to bring abundant life. So why this greatest command? I believe it's because God and you will not be satisfied until you go below the surface and experience him on a soul level, from the depth of your being, where you do the most uncomfortable thing you can, which is call out to your God and say, here I am. I want to find you. Because I guarantee if you're anything like me, sometimes my mind tells me he doesn't want you to find him. You're not good enough for God. You've done too many things wrong to experience his glory. My mind is plagued with doubts and fears that I, as it came out of my mouth this last week, finally was able to articulate what is it? Is that sometimes I feel like I'm yesterday's news to God. And he's moved on. And I'm here to tell you that as you bless the Lord from getting your soul engaged with him, you will discover and rediscover that you are not yesterday's news. And the gospel says you're valuable to God. And he loves you. You. Look at yourself in the mirror and be a little shocked by that sometimes. Me? Yes. You. Don't count yourself out. God is not done with you. All that's within me, all systems are ready for takeoff. Verse three through five, the gospel is about to lift from the ground here. Verse three through five, get this. David says, forget none of his benefits. He forgives all my sins. He heals all my sickness. He rescues my life from the pit. He crowns me with loving kindness and compassion. And he fills my life with good things. Bless the Lord, all my soul. Forget none of his benefits. It's interesting when it gets down to verse 5. The fifth thing that's mentioned there. Satisfies your years with good things. If you were to look in the Hebrew, it's this multifaceted word. It actually can mean years. It can mean life. It can mean desire. And for all of my fellow foodies, it can actually mean mouth. Isn't that interesting? You, you know, I, I read this quote one time that you oftentimes see Jesus in the Gospels on his way from a meal or on his way to a meal. Food is good, right? Thank you for the breakfast tacos. It, it's such a good thing, and it's oftentimes tied into blessing. Give us this day, Lord, our daily bread. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Your word, O oh Lord, is like honey. It's sweeter than honey to my lips. We love food. And what the Bible's trying to say is when God satisfies our life, it's like having a good meal. We look forward to it. We'll go on Yelp and give it a five star and talk to people we don't know about how, how good that burrito was. I don't know why. It's just a human thing. We'll take pictures of it, encapsulate it for all time, and put it on a profile and say, look what just happened in my life. I ate something. Okay, good, so did I. 
It's worth talking about. It's satisfying. That's what God ultimately wants to do in our life. To satisfy us so that we don't need an alternative to him. That's why we take communion. We're trying to remind ourselves that ultimately, where is this whole gospel going? I was an enemy. He forgave all my sins. I was busted up, and he healed all my sicknesses. I had no direction in life, and he rescued me from a pit. I was ashamed of myself to look in the mirror, and he crowned me with loving kindness and compassion. Finally, I was unsatisfied, so I looked for satisfaction in every place except God. But I found out there's satisfaction with him. All of these things, if we look at it, where it's going, is God is welcoming us into his house through his son, Jesus Christ, to sit at the table to have a meal. That's ultimately where this rocket of Psalm 103 is going. That's why we take communion. I thought it was pretty interesting that the first time people stepped on the moon right beforehand, Buzz Aldrin took communion on board the rocket. He said, I wanted to remember God in this moment. Forget none of his benefits. The irony of using the word benefit here, it almost sounds like we brought something to the table. But again, this meal that we have with God is not a potluck, it's a banquet. You see the difference there? A potluck, everybody kind of brings something to the table, right? It's a banquet. He just blesses us with all this bounty of good things. Because what did we bring to the table? Let's, let's talk about what we brought to God's table in these verse three to five. Sin, sickness, and a pit. Sorry I burnt my dish, God. Here it is. And he goes, that's okay. We don't need that. It's the banquet here. That's where this thing's going. As we get an elevated view of God's glory, that's the ultimate destination of Psalm 103. Forgiven, healed, delivered, crowned, satisfied. Who wouldn't want this? Who wouldn't want this? This Jesus that we serve. They got to get to know him. We got to get to know him. Verse 6 through 18. The Lord performs righteous deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the sons of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness. He will not only strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness towards those who fear him. As far as the east is to the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us, just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass, a flower of the field. He flourishes, the wind passes, it knows it no more. His place acknowledges it no longer. But the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. And his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his law. The gospel has taken full flight now. We are soaring and we're getting a great view of what's going on here. See, verse three through five, I said it was like pre-launch. Systems were getting ready, right? We're focusing on his benefits towards us. 
Now that we're up and we're in orbit, we're seeing a much more grand vista. You see the benefits towards all of humanity, past, present, and future. You see in verse 6, he, he looks right now and he says, those who are unfairly tra- treated, the oppressed, well, they're being blessed by God. He looks to the back and he says, Moses, Israel, well, they were blessed by God. And then he looks forward. You see the timeline of history here, right? The children's children can be blessed by this gospel down through the generations. Verse 8 through 10, he's saying throughout the timeline of history, sure, people and earth have their issues. But God is not dealing with us according to our sins. He's not holding on to his anger forever. He's willing to relent And he's willing to back off of his anger and shower us with kindness, love, compassion. Because he knows we're this little speck of dust without him. He's consumed by his own glory and he displays this divine love, kindness, compassion towards those who get this, verse 17, fear him. Hear me out on this. To fear the Lord is not to stay away from him as if you're frightened by him. To fear the Lord is to reverently step into relationship with him. It's to understand your proper relation, you and him. But as you enter in, you realize he wants to be like this with you. So to fear the Lord really has a lot to do with, of course, if you're sinning against God, fear him. You'll be under his judgment. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, fear him. You'll be under judgment. Sure, he's patient, he's loving, he's gracious now, but if you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, it's time to fear the Lord. But let that fear drive you to relationship with him. To hear all of the benefits, forget none of those things. Because once you come up onto those things, remember, don't let Satan lie to you, totally forgiven. Not partially, and don't act like maybe not that one thing God can forgive. Yes, even that one thing God can forgive. Total forgiveness over your life. We're talking about fear that turns into reverence, that turns into respect, that turns into awe, that turns into bless the Lord, oh my soul. Everything within me, bless his holy name. You see where this is going? You with me? Okay, you with me? Okay. I thought if I'd ask a follow-up question, I might get more. To fear the Lord. We get to take in this view. Ah, some of the most rich verses in this passage. Verse 11, verse 12. We're flying over in this rocket. I get it. But look out the window and capture this view. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness towards those who fear him. Verse 12, great follow-up verse. For as far as the east is to the west, so far the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Both distances, I assure you, are immeasurable. That's the point. 
You can't calculate the, the, dil- the distance from here to heaven. You can't calculate the distance from east to west. What is it trying to say? It's trying to say this is an infinite amount of love that we're talking about. This is God's love. It's different. It's holy. In verse 19 through 20, as we've taken in this view of this glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, it's a gospel view that's worth sharing. Let's read verse 19 through 20. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his sovereignty rules over all. Bless the Lord, you his angels, mighty in strength who perform his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you hosts, you who serve him, doing his will. Bless the Lord, all you works of his, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. We realize that the view of God, of man, looking at us, is of great value, but he's also mindful that we're dust. We could be insignificant without him. He's mindful of that, how fickle our affection can be for him and how we're prone to wander. He gets that. But there's a contrast, contrast that's happening here in verse 19 as we see where our rocket fails to take us, we actually are taken to the altitude that is the Lord's throne above the heavens. Seated in the highest of heavens is the Lord's throne, ruling over mankind. It's, it's as if we saw this sun cresting over the earth, showing us this beautiful sunrise over the horizon. We need this stunning view of God in the church today As we said, stunning things are worth sharing. The gospel is worth sharing. If I took a picture, a selfie, at the rim of the Grand Canyon, you would see it on my feed. Because it's a view that's worth sharing. I'm talking about the Grand Canyon. Not so much this. But it is a selfie, so maybe some of this. This gospel, when it hits the soul, is worth sharing. Let it hit your soul this morning to the degree where you say, how could I keep this to myself? And I have to share a story that we experienced a couple weeks back that we shared at our our prayer huddle before service. Me and a brother went out to lunch and there was a waitress who uh, we asked if we could pray for her right before the meal. And she was open to that. Well, we got a sense from God that this waitress was dealing with some, some hurts in her life. Long story short, she had been hurt by the church. And she, there was no interest in going back. It had been a couple of years now that transpired. She's now filling up her, her life with six days a week of work. Just work, 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 work. She's got three, four, five, four jobs. I don't know. She's just working a lot. That's, that's her point in life right now. So we sit down and say, we can ask if we can pray for her. And then we did, and she was, you know, she was blessed by that. But then we started speaking this gospel into her, into her soul and saying, do you, do you realize how good God is? Do you realize how much he loves you? Do you realize that even though you got hurt in the past and now you're kind of walking away from it, that if you were to call out to God, you'd realize he'll meet you in the middle of your mess 
He'll meet you right where you are. And the word that we had for her in finishing was, God's not done with you yet. You know what struck me about this story is she responded back to us. She said, I like you guys. (laughs) I like talking with you. What church do you go to again? She's finding life. She's finding blessing. She's finding God in a really small, capturing the glory of God and sharing it with somebody else. Have you captured it for yourself? Hopefully this morning you're being inspired to do so. But I want to end with a little bit more of a, so you know, this is hard for me too. To, to, to leave this place and engage God with my soul, it's hard because, again, I have my own hang-ups. I have the, the things that Satan speaks to me, the doubts that plague my own mind, and I've shared some of those things with you as well. So this is no easy task that I'm asking you, that God is really asking you through me to do. It's not an easy task, and everything's going to try to get in the way of it, but it's the number one thing, and I'm telling you, if you walk in this, you'll discover the glory of God in some way, shape, or form or another. And you'll be glad you did. Friday night, as again, I told you, God was telling me, go deeper in prayer. So I got down on my knees, and I have a certain challenge that I gave to my household this week to be praying. And so I, was, I started praying. I started praying through this passage. You know what helped me? Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Everything inside me. Get those systems going. Get those thrusters ready to fire. Forget none of his benefits. I started counting those benefits in verse three through five. You know what I was doing? Every sort of doubt I had in my mind, trash. Every sort of dart that Satan was throwing at me, extinguished. Because it's the word of God, right? So you can go and attack it. I know two brothers got that, amen. Get this psalm as you're reading through this week, get it into your soul. And as I started praying, you know what happened Friday night? I start, the rocket takes off, and I'm flying through verse 3 through 5. I'm flying through verse 6 through 18. I get to verse 19 through 22, which is where we're landing today. You know what happens? Thunder hits. Lightning, thunder, and it's raining. And I'm telling you, at this point, I'm like, that might have been forecasted. I don't know. I can't trust Texas forecasting right now. That might have been forecasted already, but I'm telling you, God preordained this this storm to come when I got on my knees and started calling out to him, and the thunder started hitting, and my soul came alive. I was like, angels, you better start praising God. Hosts, you better start praising God. All of his works of creation, start praising God. And you might tell me, check the weather, dude. It was already scheduled. I don't care. I was in full flight with my Jesus. And he'll do the same for you. Unexpected encounters with his glory. So blessing the Lord, remembering his benefits, revering his holiness, caused the psalmist to exit orbit long enough to capture the grand view of God's cosmic glory on display. He eventually touches back down to earth again, get this, only to catch his breath to exhale the words, do it again. See how he ends it? Verse 22, bless the Lord, oh my soul. What is he saying? Let's do it again. Ask the Lord how your soul might bless him this week. 
I could give you application. You might have seen some from my own life and got inspired from that. That's fine. But ask him. And I'm going to pray right now that you do that. Because this is a church that's going to see the glory of God. Amen? Amen. Thank you, God. Thank you for giving us a, a view. I was so nervous to share this word this week. And it wasn't just because of what people thought about it. Sure, that might have been part of it. But it's that... It is such an incredible word, and I feel like my analogies could fall short, and they do, because everything falls short of the glory of God, but yet I was reminded of Jesus, how he walked through this earth and picked the simplest of things, fishing and trees and food and whatever he saw in front of him to use it as an example, mundane, everyday stuff to capture a view of your glory. So I'm so thankful for this word this morning. It's been so life-giving to me this week, and I pray for my brothers and sisters, and even those who in this, in this place, I should say this morning, who don't have a relationship with you. God, that in the name of Jesus, we'd come before you and say, here I am, a sinner. Forgive me, God. Pull me into relationship with you. Heal me of my problems. God, rescue my life from the pit. Crown me with loving kindness and compassion. And God, satisfy my soul with good things so that you would be my God, the one true God. Let this be a week where we dive deep in to blessing the Lord our souls. In your wonderful name, Jesus. Amen.